Hey, it's Natasha, and we have a treat for you, a bonus episode. That's right. This month, you're not just getting one, but two PYD Lab episodes. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this one on us. You are listening to the PYD Lab, the podcast for implementers and young leaders who want to examine innovative approaches to positive youth development and hear stories of young people leading change in their communities. This podcast is made possible by the support of the American people through the United States Agency for International Development, or USAID. The content and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of USAID or the United States government. Hey, it's Natasha, and you're in the PYD lab. Aziz Toby Abubakar is a sustainability professional, consultant, and project manager who's passionate about climate, sustainable development, and innovation. He's the founder of the Climate Education Initiative Project, a lead green associate, a former Global Citizen Be Good fellow, and he's been featured on a number of news outlets, from the BBC to CNN, Sky News, and now he's joining us in the PYD Lab to talk green jobs. Aziz, welcome. Hi, Natasha. Good to be here today. Obviously, the topic today is green jobs, and I'm still learning a lot about this sector. 20 years ago, green jobs was like this obscure, on-the-horizon sector that was super vague. And today, it seems like those conversations have just grown tremendously. So I wanted to start off just by asking you a little bit about how you got into it. I would love to just know what your introduction to the sector was and how you got involved in climate and sustainability work. I got into uh, the green jobs and the climate and sustainability space when I was in school uh, because I studied uh, civil and environmental engineering in my undergraduate degree. And back in school, I spent a lot of time volunteering with um, student groups and clubs and um, we did things like cleanups on campus and also we did some aid um, projects and outreaches to you know, low-income communities around school. So my interest particularly and more broadly in the sustainability space began to grow. I started learning more about the sustainable development goals I started to really find more passion in the climate space, particularly because apart from the fact that it's one of the most um, biggest issues in the world today, also because um, this issue is directly impacting my immediate community. This is something I'm really, really passionate about because, you know, seeing how the climate crisis have affected communities around me and, you know, people that I do know around as well and even you know, how the climate crisis has also affected my life in different ways. I can remember about five or six years ago when I got in a flooding incident that um, got me thinking about what really caused floodings and, uh, you know, floods. And it got me to really understand global perspective of uh, climate change and our countries. More polluting and, you know, while those who contributed the least to causing it are actually facing the brunt. And um, this really got me interested in, you know, in the area of climate justice as well, and also environmental justice, particularly in um, marginalized communities who suffer more and also end up facing a lot of environmental challenges. 
So, you know, as my interest grew in this area, I started volunteering with different non-governmental organizations. And over the years, I've garnered a lot of experience around sustainability, development work, also in general, green work, um, environmental friendly solutions. I started my own uh, nonprofit and um, efforts to really um, help drive green skills and green jobs um, in my community because I ended up realizing that I needed to create a more sustainable approach to my contribution. So I needed to create a more structured way to uh, give back to my community as well. So um, with my organization, being able to create programs and, and projects around green jobs, um, particularly around uh, building skills and capacity on solar energy, which is the most abundant renewable energy source in my community. Uh, so I've developed programs and gotten um, support from different organizations, both local, um, regional and international as well to um, train um, young people around, you know, solar installation, maintenance, and um, uh, also design of um, solar systems. So yeah, that, that's just really the summary of it. I thought it was interesting when you started talking about when you actually started getting in, involved in the work career-wise, you mentioned giving back to your community. And I think there is obviously a common thread in the link there between the green job sector and social entrepreneurship and work that is good um, and that gives back to our communities. In terms of your peers, what are some of the green jobs that they are finding most appealing? Are some of them lured in because it's a booming sector or because of that social entrepreneurship component that you mentioned? Apart from the fact that it's a booming sector, um, they are mostly lured in due to the social entrepreneurship aspect of it. Particularly because they feel that, you know, being in that sector, it allows for them to create impact. They can also, you know, make some profits uh, from that sector as well. So we've seen a lot of young people here in Nigeria who have created um, social enterprises around environmental wastes, because that's one of the key challenges that we face when it comes to environmental pollution. We've seen more recycling businesses and also green um, energy related businesses coming up as well. We've seen young people start to think about ways to also innovatively reduce emissions through developing apps. And also myself, I've also partnered with organizations like Urban Change to really um, put together and leverage different technologies like blockchain and the Web3 game changer technology as well to create a platform where young people could take action and then earn credits in form of tokens that they could use to you know, purchase items from eco-friendly local businesses. So all of these efforts are really incredible in the sense that, you know, young people can really see the future and also the potential of the green entrepreneurship sector. You know, because you work in this market and obviously today the job market is just super competitive. What are some skills or qualifications that young people need to secure these jobs? When it comes to securing um, jobs, especially in the green space, I would say young people really need a lot of soft skills. They need to be able to communicate effectively, work you know, in the multicultural space as well. 
be able to, you know, leverage some art skills as well, the analytical skills and other software skills. It could be programming. It could be some, some other hard skill as well. When it comes to building a strong portfolio, especially when it comes to the green space, I think that a lot of young people need to also think about professional certifications. Um, so all of this combined, um, you know, you're, you're, if you're able to also taking your time to practice what you're learning, um, that would really help a lot as well in um, and making you more employable. Absolutely. And I, and I kind of want to ask you that same question on the flip side for employers. Along that same vein, I just wanted to ask you, are there any successful mentorship or apprenticeship programs? I know you were just talking about certifications, you know, in the green industry that you think should be expanded or possibly replicated for the benefit of some of these young job seekers so that they can get technical skills. Yes, but also some of the soft skills that you're speaking of. I think that fellowship programs are really a great way to equip young people with not just experience, uh, but also skills that could really help a lot in expanding their knowledge and also when skilled and also when invested in could really help young people to not just um, secure a successful career in the green space, but also to, in the long term, also grow their skills around green jobs and, and green skills and and I think that that could also help in their personal endeavors, especially for young people who are entrepreneurs, who are innovators, who just want to create even more green jobs for other young people. I think fellowship programs are really helpful. I'm also part of a cycle of uh, youth, which is also very helpful in, um, in the sense that I'm able to also contribute and give back to other young people through my experience and my story and also inspire you know young people to be part of the green space such communities can be really you know helpful in um, scaling that kind of efforts as well can really help a lot in growing the, mm. the movement for the green space absolutely what are you seeing in in nigeria right now any current trends that you're seeing in the green job sector this consortium has created a project around sustainable agriculture here in Nigeria. We recently launched a climate risk research challenge, and we've been able to also create like an open source platform where young people could innovate and carry out physical risk analysis to really evaluate and assess the challenges of the climate crisis as posed on, on the agriculture sector and also recommend solutions to them. So we've seen um, these efforts currently in Nigeria, and I can really say as well that there has been a, like an increase in um, you know, youth-led climate activism and innovation. We've seen a lot of young people creating recycling businesses and also solar mm. home system businesses as well. So that has really contributed a lot to the green sector right in Nigeria. That's really exciting. I love seeing young people pursue entrepreneurship. Are there any innovative policy initiatives or incentives that you believe could encourage more young people to pursue careers in sustainability and renewable energy? If, you know, the government, for example, incentivize solar home systems and make that available to as many homes as possible, then we would have more young people train on how to maintain them 
and definitely get more green jobs and more opportunities. And I do think that they could provide financial support through grant programs. And and I do think that the role that um, tax incentives and subsidies have um, in this industry, in the green industry, could really help encourage job creation as well for young people. I love that. How does inclusion factor into this work? We need to ensure equal access. We need to not leave anyone behind. Creating equal access means creating equal access to information, training, job opportunities, and um, this needs to go across board. Like it needs to go for everyone. It needs to be for all young individuals, regardless of your sexual orientation, your background, your religious belief, you know, your gender, or any anything at all. A very good way to bridge the divide um, that comes out of, of not including young people is really to um, create more open and equitable spaces. And that could really help a lot in um, bringing more young people into the green career spaces. Absolutely. And, and especially because the, the work at the end of the day is benefiting everyone, you hope. So that's awesome. In the context of sustainable development, what advice would you give to your fellow young change makers who are considering a career in green jobs? The, the best investment they can ever make right now is to to invest in themselves and you know to learn, to take trainings, to also pursue education in the space as well. I would also say they need to build their network. They need to surround themselves with you know, people in space and also engage in climate advocacy work as well. Absolutely. What long-term impact do you hope that your generation of green job entrepreneurs and employees and experts contribute to the sector? I would really want to see that the climate crisis is effectively addressed and, and that vulnerable communities are protected from its impacts. And I think that young people do have the power to actually achieve that. My generation in particular, I, I do think that really, really, really <laughs> contributed in terms of all our social movements. I think our generation has really leveraged all the social networks and all the social media platforms and also digital technologies. Amazing and exciting because you're on the verge of, of doing all of those things together and individually. So congratulations on all of your, your hard work and achievements. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so now we're going to get into your PYD recommendations. The P stands for published, a published reading source you recommend on a youth development related topic. It could be a book, an article, a report, and why. Y stands for youth, a resource or project you know of that's authored or led by a young leader that you want others to know about and why. And last but not least, my favorite, Disrupt, a disruptive, innovative idea, project, or resource that does or will tackle a youth-related challenge. So first up is P, Published. Aziz, what do you have for us? For Published, I do recommend the book, The Power of Mindful Learning. And it's a book by Ellen J. Langer. And uh, this book explores the concept of mindful learning and its application in youth development. 
I think that it encourages a lot of young people to approach their education and personal growth with a more open and mindful approach. And um, and I think that this really would help um, a lot of young people to become more resilient and adaptable and also self-aware. So yeah, um, you should read that book. The book is, again, The Power of Mindful Learning. The next recommendation is why for youth. What do you have? I like the work of a young female inventor. She's also a scientist. Mm-hmm. Her name is Kitan Gali Rao. She did gain a recognition for her work. And this, like, our work was uh, to create a device to detect lead in water. Lead, as you know, can really be dangerous in water. And yeah, so that innovation and that particular solution that she came up with, the device that, that's able to detect lead in water, it's kind of like a a key solution that um, stands out for me. And also, and also she did create an app to combat cyberbullying. So she's been dedicated you know, to using technology for social good. This, I believe, um, has inspired me and... And I, and I think our project really empowers young people to tackle real-world issues through innovation. That is great. What a great recommendation. I, I look forward to learning more about her. I, I wasn't aware of her work. So last but not least, D for Disrupt. I'm sharing this particular initiative because for the past two years, uh, I've been part of this initiative. In 2021, I was selected to represent my country at Youth for Climate Summit. And um, mm. as at the time, it was the first largest um, gathering since since COVID happened. So I was selected to represent my country there. I was a Youth for Climate delegate at the summits. One thing I've really gained from being part of the Youth for Climate Initiative is the fact that I've been part of a community a disruptive community that has really just um, leveraged the power of young people to, you know, to mobilize together and come up with policy recommendations and, and also a manifesto on what young people think. And I think that's the grassroots approach that that initiative has created has made sure that we are able to not just create awareness in our local communities, to, but to also amplify the urgency of climate action to a local approach. And, you know, through that, we've been able to, to get as many young people, millions of young people in different countries across the world to demand change on the ground. And, um, and this has really created a powerful force to addressing, you know, youth-related challenges around, you know, climate change and, and the green space. That is amazing. And that's the Youth for Climate Initiative. Aziz, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. I learned so much. I loved um, your insights into the green job sectors and what your generation is looking for. Again, I, I loved your PYD recommendations. It was just such a nice, strong way to close this season of the PYD Lab. And so it excites me. Um, where can people go to, to learn more about you and the work that you're doing? About me slash Aziz, then, you know, I think um, Toby, that's, uh, then I think Abu Bakr. 
Um, you could learn about my work at um, ss4gg.org. Um, That's my organization website. That stands for Sustainable Solutions for Green Growth. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. We truly appreciate your time and your insight. Yeah, you're welcome. And yeah, I'm so honored to be there. Aziz, again, thank you so much for joining us today. And now it's time for us to get into our PYD recommendations for this episode. Our first recommendation is titled The Role of Sustainable Consumption and Production. It's a starter kit, and it contains resources for those looking to learn about what a circular economy is, why it's important, and how to overcome the barriers to sustainable consumption and production. Inside, you'll find webinars, videos, articles, stories, reports, and activities. Our second recommendation is the Young Climate Activist Toolkit. It aims to equip young people with the knowledge, tools, and resources they need to enable their participation in regional and global youth climate action. The toolkit was developed in consultation with young climate activists from around the MENA region to ensure an inclusive and well-informed framework. Our final recommendation is the Young Leaders Workforce Training Program. USAID assembled a cross-organizational team to develop and deliver a comprehensive workforce training program for young energy sector leaders in Colombia. The team developed a series of seven capacity-building modules designed to ready Colombia's energy sector workforce to participate in the construction, operation, and grid integration of renewable energy projects, such as wind and solar. This is a great case study for implementers who want to learn more and who want to select components that they can replicate in their own regions. Now, as always, these resources, as well as a host of others, are available over at youthpower.org backslash PYD Lab. Until next time, I'm Natasha, and you've been in the PYD Lab.